We talked about three things that you must seek after knowing Jesus Christ, understanding the power that he operated in, which is available to us all and seeking first the kingdom of God and what is in heaven. Those are the only three things that matter. Everything in the Bible is underneath those three things. Okay? So it's, I'm just going to focus on tonight, seeking first the kingdom of God and what is in heaven and why that's important. This, we're going to be on this for the next 30 years. Unless the Lord comes back next Tuesday. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth for you have died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Okay. Um, so scripture makes it clear that when we become Christians, that we are to set our sights on heaven. I kind of wish I had been told that years ago because I would have been much, much further ahead. Okay. Um, and, uh, and to give you an example of that, because one of the things that is going to be, it's not difficult, but there's a measure of difficulty that comes into play when the, the scripture says, set your sights on heaven so that you know what is up there. Okay. You know what is up there. And so how do you do that? You know what I'm saying? How do you tap into that? What do you mean set your sights on heaven? Because, you know, whatever you keep seeking after, you get more of. And so I want, the Lord gave me a simple explanation about how simple it is, because people think this teaching is deep. It's not. Okay. And so how you know we live on planet Earth? We're pretty much on the ground. Let me know if my button comes loose and I look like John Travolta. You know, I don't need to be doing all that. Okay. And so we live on the ground. And so there are three ways. There are only three ways that you can experience outer space, which is further out. And that is you can experience it by actually going there in a spaceship. So you have to have a special mechanism or a special tool or a special machine and you can actually go out there into outer space. You can view outer space through a telescope, a very powerful telescope will allow you to see other planets and go out into outer space. And, or you can use your imagination as it is explained through the eyes of an individual. Would y'all, would y'all agree with that? So either somebody can tell you about outer space and you use your imagination or you have a special telescope that allows you to see further than where you are to see something that's real, but further where you are. Or you can create a machine by which you can then actually go out there into a place that you can't see unless you were actually there. Well, the Holy Spirit said heaven is the same way when they said set your sights on heaven to try to figure out what is there. It actually happened the same three ways. Number one, you can study scripture and books. And as a result of you studying scripture and books on heaven, your imagination will kick in and you'll begin to visualize what is there. God will give you a vision or a dream of heaven. That is the telescope. Because how I many you know heaven is way out there someplace? Okay. And so if God gives you a vision of heaven, it is, is, is his way of stretching your eyesight to show you something that might be light years away, but you can still see it on planet Earth. And then the third way is, you can actually go there. Jesus will take you there and an angel will take you there. Um, some men have just been uh, three. I've seen it three different ways where the angel just takes you there. Um, all of them said that you're always moving at a phenomenal rate of speed. And they said you're going past galaxies as you head towards heaven. You're just going past galaxy after galaxy after galaxy. Others have talked about um, being uh, taken by an angel. And they were in some type of a little bubble thing, some type of bubble thing. And, because, and this, what this thing did was it protected you from the demonic creatures in the heavenlies that were trying to get at you as they were. <laughs> some of the stuff I says, I don't know, I can't believe. So, so it was some type of bubble mechanism by which it was a protective force field because one of the things that the devil does not like is when angelic beings and Jesus uh, allows his sons and daughters to experience their future home. And so if they if they see that angel coming through here and that's what they sense, they wait for him and they take you back through there and they rush up on that thing and try to attack it. And then the third way is this through some type of futuristic type of machines that look like chariots. Jesse Duplantis rolled in one. And he said that when the angel came and took him to heaven, he said this thing. He said the only way to explain it is he said it was some type of futuristic chariot that moved at the speed of light. But you couldn't hear the engine. It was just complete silence. So. 
Um, so those are the three different ways. Now, let me tell you where we are. There is something that the Holy Spirit shared with me today. And I said, mm, 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 and then gave me some scriptures. Now, without us attacking anybody, because I mean, you know, there are some good preachers out there. But how many of you know that it's a lot of preachers that have messed up people? Would you agree? Most of you have been messed up by what some preachers said or did not say. Um, taught or did not teach, did or did not do. So, so I mean, I have heard some stuff, y'all, that it made me like, Lord, I think I might just want to, I don't know if I don't need to do all of this. I mean, I have heard some stuff. I mean, from stuff when it comes to tongues, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to titles, you know, I mean, I have heard some stuff. If you go to a church and, and God gave you a warning dream and they say, well, that was the devil, well, that just messed you up. You go to a church, sir, we don't believe that God heals everybody, so we're not trying to do all of that. Just go to the doctor. How many know that messed you up? Okay? You know, I mean, there are there, many divorces have happened because of the preacher. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, so they mess you up. It's a church over on the south side, huge mega church, got reduced to having church in a gym. Pastor kept sleeping around on his wife, sleeping around on his wife, and that whole spirit came up on the church. That was the church that one of our ministers, the Lord gave him a vision, and it was a big penis sitting on top of the church. Lord's telling him sexual perversion. How I many know God is not nervous with showing stuff like that? How I many know? If you get a vision like that, I'm turning, this is my membership card. Y'all can have this. You can have this. I'm not going to no church because when you get these visions, the Lord is showing you how they look at the place. That's, that's what, what dreams is a symbolic version of what God is showing you in your life, but visions is a literal version. You know, so I remember a minister. Uh, a minister was an uh, actual minister was in the homosexual lifestyle. And he kept having visions and dreams of a demonic spirit holding him up, up against the wall, upside down and molesting him. How I many know that's beyond gross. That's a river. That's a, a horror movie. Yeah, that was the Lord showing him. This is what it looks like in the spiritual realm when you hooking up with another man. OK, so visions and dreams show you reality because we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And we are very blind. And very dark. Okay, so preachers have really, really, really messed us up. Some meant to mess you up, others didn't mean to mess you up. But whether you mean it or not, how I many you know it messes you up? So, something the Holy Spirit shared with me today, and it scared me. Holy Spirit said, if you think preachers have messed up people, uh, have messed up people's lives, what do you think they have done concerning your eternity? And I was just like, you ever heard the Holy Spirit say something? And it just, oh, wait a minute. And so he said, so I need you to teach this because there are many people that have lost their eternity. And there are many people that have lost the blessings of eternity because uh, the preachers are not doing this one thing. They're teaching a bunch of other stuff. They're having conferences. They're having prophetic movements and all those different types of things. But they're not teaching you what is running heaven. How many of you think that's important? You know, we don't have a concept of forever. You know, we think that if we're 20, 70 years is a long time. You know what I'm saying? You know, you hear kids, young kids, talking about 80, ooh, they old. Yeah, your day is coming. And that right soon, as they say. <laughs> you know, it's old. No, that ain't old. That's young. You haven't even started. Okay? So let me help you understand why the Lord is having me teach this. And so Matthew chapter 23, we're going to read through a lot right quick. I want you to, because... I'm, I'm, I, I got to find this balance, this dividing line of me. Oh, I know what it is. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing how the Lord answer your question while you're preaching. Just as read it. Matthew 23, 1 through 13. Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreter of the law of Moses, preachers of that day. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. Now, now remember, this is Jesus talking to all of the people about the leaders of what we would call the churches of that day. They weren't called churches. They were called temples. Now, listen to what Jesus told them. He said, so practice and obey whatever they tell you in regards to, you know, if they ask you to move down front, if they tell you to get here at seven o'clock and all of those type of things. He said, but but don't follow their example because they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. 
Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels and $3,000 suits and $600 alligator shoes and, and some fancy jewelry and Cadillacs and mansions. And, and they love to seat at the head table at banquets and, and the seats of honor in the synagogues. Front row seats. Had a lady came, sat right there on my seat. Guess what I did? Sat over there. It's a chair. Somebody else would have kicked you out the church. You sat in the bishop's seat? Oh, my God. We got to bathe you in holy oil. Yeah, the bishop's seats might be the, the least anointed seat in the whole house. Couldn't want no seat. I would have sat on the ground. Oh, Lord. Verse 7. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Y'all ready for this? This is where the preacher's going to kill me. Don't let anyone call you rabbi. For you have only one teacher and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Now you know why I use my first name. Don't address anyone here on earth as father. For only God in heaven is your father. Don't let anyone call you teacher. For you only have one teacher the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. This is the problem right here now. This is the majority of churches. Matthew 23, 15 through 33. Same verses. We just, I just, New Living Translation is missing a couple of verses for a certain reason. And then listen to what Jesus says. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Listen to what he called them. Hypocrites. Jesus was calling people out their names in a second. For you cross land and sea to make one convert. And then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. So now you didn't call those childs of hell. Yeah, this is how Jesus, this is a 30, watch this, y'all. This is how a 30-year-old single man is addressing the older leaders of the temples of that day. <laughs> then y'all wonder why they tried to throw him off a cliff <laughs> on the first day of his ministry. <laughs> Jesus was off the chain. Okay, let's see how he keep calling them names. Verse 16, blind guides. What sorrow awaits you? This is one sermon. For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools. Which is more. This is Jesus doing one, one. Blessed are the people, you know, on the, in the little Jesus movies with the little crackers and bread looking like he about to go skiing and ain't had no bread in five days. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You say that to swear by the altar is not bonding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is bonding. How blind, for which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. When you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. I know y'all don't understand a lot. That's just him rebuking them. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? <laughs> for you are now mind you he's actually talking to them he ain't writing a letter this is him talking what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore the more important aspects of the law justice mercy and faith you should tithe Yes, this is for all the people who don't think we're supposed to tithe in the New Testament. But do, ne not, do not neglect the more important things. Here you go again. Blind gods, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you actually swallow a camel. Hmm. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? I mean, can you imagine somebody just keep calling you a fool seven times in a row? What am I, 27? So many fools in there. 25. You know, what sorrow awaits you teach of religious affairs? hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup 
and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites? For you are like washed, whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Mm -mm. Outward, this is the leaders of the temple. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? It sounds like a rap, doesn't it? For you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, if we had lived back in those days, we would never have joined them in killing the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes and son of vipers, tell me how you're going to escape hell. <laughs> yeah, that's one sermon. Jesus was off the chain. Now, this punk y'all see on these Jesus movies. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 4. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep? For they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. How many know a pastor is a shepherd? At least he's supposed to be. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. But I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. Ezekiel 34, 2 through 10. Son of man, prophesy against the pastors again, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drinking the milk, you wearing the wool, and you butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for the devil. They have wandered throughout all of the mountains and all of the hills, crossed all the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign God, you abandoned my flock and you left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider those shepherds my enemies and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock. And I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and the sheep will no longer be their prey. Just in case y'all know, y'all may not know this, but it's 1,400 churches a month that close. <laughs> y'all didn't know that. 1,400. One, in case you don't know what 1,400, in case you went to public school like me, 1,400 churches a month close. Every month. How many of that's a lot of churches? I didn't even know that many churches existed. Mm -hmm. 1,400 a month closed. That's the current stat right now. Y'all remember what Jesus said in Revelation to the, to the leaders of the, of the church? He said, you don't get your act together. He said, I'm going to blow your candle out. So every church, see, they blaming church closes on the devil. Mm -mm. The devil does not have that much power. Church closes are Jesus. Because he said, he didn't say, the devil didn't say nothing about the devil closing the church. He said, I will close it if you don't get your act together. See, and that's why, you know, you, so this is, you have a lot of men that they started out right, but then they let the pride get to them. See, 
The pastoring part is easy. It's the dark side you got to deal with that kills you. And most don't know how to deal with the dark side. You can only deal with the dark side if you carry yourself low. And most people, I know some people in here, that you ain't never seen that scripture where Jesus said, don't call yourself rabbi. Don't call yourself a teacher. I mean, that's crazy, ain't it? And you got, I mean, some of those, I came from circles that if you don't pray for the pastor in your prayer, you get rebuked. And you got to do the prayer over. He that weak? Well, if we don't pray for him every single time, what if I just forgot? What if I was just too hungry and wanted to eat my food? I got to mention his name every single time. That's what I was thinking about while y'all were repeating the prayer. I had, one, I had one person tell me, well, see, the reason why you're supposed to use a title is because when people call you by your title, it invokes the gifts. And see, I was looking around like, any of y'all think this is foolishness right here? This is, this is, that's what you're telling me. That, that, and it invokes the gift, and it, and it brings forth my deepness. Yeah, they pretty much gonna set, they gonna be shooting. They be driving past the church shooting gr gr grenade launchers. Whoa! Bring this brother down. Matthew 15, 12 through 14. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you have offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted, so ignore them. Same way Jesus told me to ignore them today. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they both going into the ditch. Okay. So I didn't put the scripture down, but the Bible says, and I believe it's Amos. It says that in the last days, there will be a famine for the gospel. It will be a shortage of the truth. It said that you would go many different places. And because let me tell you something, y'all. Your version of the truth may not be God's version of the truth. Your sermon that the people actually enjoyed might be scoffed at in heaven. Y'all understand what I'm saying? A preacher getting up and preaching something and you're like, ooh, this is good. And you take notes. Yeah. But would God tell you to throw your notes in the trash? And people don't like to ask those type of questions. I want to say something, but I'm going to just keep on going. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. Let's talk about the other side. It's not just a simple thing of going to hell. There are degrees of punishment in hell. It's not a simple thing of going to heaven. There are degrees of punishment in heaven. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good. Not you did good one time. People crack me up talking about, well, my grandmother took me to church. Wonderful. The devil got to see that one. I'm, my, my favorite one is I'm spiritual. So is Lucifer. mean you connected to God because you're spiritual. Everything is spiritual. You know what I'm saying? People are always trying to come up with their little stuff. You know, a matter of fact, who was that? When Don Lemon was uh, interviewing uh, John Gray, you know, I'm a person of faith. Wonderful. The Bible says Satan and the demons believe and says that they shake and shudder because of it. You believing in God and even believing in Jesus does not mean anything, folk. The question is, have you accepted him? You crack me up. I read the Bible. Wonderful. When, I, when, I, when people tell me, I've read to several people over the years. Yeah, I know. I, I read the Bible. I, I know what it says. You just let me know that you are the most ignorant individual. You are totally blind if you think you read the Bible. Kenneth Hagin, one of the baddest ministers in the planet in this day, 60 years later said he was still getting revelation and understanding off the same scripture. His favorite one, Mark 11, 23, 24. When you are blind, you can't see. You see it as you are. You don't see it as it is. There are seven layers of revelation in every word in scripture. Seven, seven deep. 
I only managed to get to two to three so far. You have to be fully humble. You got to be, it takes a long time. It takes a lifetime for you to see this stuff. And as, watch this, as you grow, you will see more of the same scripture you've been reading. You, when you, right now, you might be on level one. So when you read the Bible, you read it on level one. When you grow and go to level two, you'll read the same scripture. And like, I didn't see that before. How many does this happen to you? Then you keep going, keep going. Some of y'all been saved for 20 years. You join this church, you're like, I feel like I ain't even saved. You think I'm feeling, I'm the one that got to preach this stuff. <laughs> did I read Romans 2, 4 through 8? Yeah, I did. Okay. So, eternity, internal things can only, be ch uh, can only be changed before you go there, not after. So, um, this is going to be a very daunting task for me as we go month by month, year by year, to reveal people how many of you know there are 10,000 species of trees? How many of you know it might take a little time to know the difference in between each one? I have been challenged with the task of revealing to you what is in heaven. And so it's very daunting to my mind because I, honest, honestly, the reason I've kind of been all over the place is I just don't know where to start. So it's a very daunting task because it's like jumping in the ocean. And it's so big, I think only like five, less than 5% of the ocean has been explored. You jump, they jump in the middle of the ocean, you don't know which way to go. You just got to go. And so I am not qualified to bring you up to speed at the speed that God wants you to go. If you only listen to my teachings, you're going to be extremely limited. You're going to have to listen to what I teach. You're going to have to listen to the folk that I send you to to listen to. And you're going to have to more importantly study this for yourself. It's like with dreams and visions. We were all saying, we don't, we don't understand our dreams. We don't understand our visions. We were doing that, and then one day the Holy Spirit said, yeah, the reason y'all don't understand it because there's nobody trying to study it. That's like me saying, I don't understand addition. I don't understand addition. I don't understand addition. Well, wasn't the last time you went and talked to a teacher to teach you addition? We can't do that. So you have to be willing to give up your life. You have to turn off the television. You have to start reading the Bible and studying certain subjects as though you are the only Christian on the planet. Okay. Matthew 18, 3 through 4. Tony, come check out that drum for me. It might be the big drum. Y'all, uh, this past Sunday at our other location, um, I started preaching, and they're laughing because uh, I, said, I said to the audience, I said, do y'all hear that sound? I said, y'all hear that? And they were like, no, not really. They're laughing because they were there. I, can't, I think I stopped my sermon five times. And I was like, y'all don't hear that? They were like, no. And so over there, we have these you know, big standing speakers. So I walked all the way over to the speaker, and I was just like, y'all don't hear that? They were like, no. I said, Lord, let's keep it moving. It was not until the congregation was gone that I heard the sound again. It is because I was listening to my pastor on the way to church on my phone on his 24-hour app. Oyedipo has an app where he's preaching 24 hours. Instead of setting his phone down, I left the app on. It was in my back pocket for the entire sermon. So I'm preaching, because you remember, if you were there, I, at one point I said, it's preaching, and whoever it is, it is really good. <sighs> That's those jokes that heaven plays on you and they falling off the throne laughing at you. Look at this boy. Some of y'all know the story about Jesse Duplantis. He was a traveling evangelist. And back then, he wouldn't stay at a hotel when you can do stuff like this. Well, actually, they're bringing it back. What is it called? B? B? Airbnb, yeah. Well, he would travel and he would stay with a family of the, of the, at the pastor's house where he was a guest speaker. And he said, you know, he said about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, he said he was awakened, and um, he looked over in the corner. He said it was this huge demon just sitting there in the corner. And, um, and, um, and he said that, he said, this is a demon right in this man's house. And so he said that he got to rebuking that thing, and, and he said he would rebuke it, and the thing would just kind of do like this. <sighs> <laughs> he said he stood up on the bed. He said, what did he tell me? What did he say? He said he used the name of Jesus. That didn't work. He said he used the blood of Jesus. That didn't work. 
He used the anointing on. He said he tried everything to get that demon out of the room. That man said that he was up for four hours trying to get that demon out of the room until the light of day hit. And then he realized that it was a, it was a shirt on a coat hanger and it was underneath the vent. So every time the heat would kick on, Oh, man. Yeah, if y'all don't think God is a joker, we're going to see some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, y'all, you have to understand, we have the personality of God. We cry because he does. He, God actually weeps over men. Um, you don't ever want to feel that. You'll go into depression if you feel what they feel concerning men that are going to hell. But he laughs, okay? He gets mad. He jokes. I told them, you've heard me say this. Can you imagine Jesus telling you a joke? and you laugh for the next 30 days. <laughs> you go to sleep laughing, wake up laughing. You can't even go anywhere. It's like you're in the hospital laughing, about to die laughing. You're gonna see hey, some amazing stuff up there, I'm telling you, okay? <clears throat> All right, did I read Matthew chapter 18? Okay, that's the last verse, and we're gonna let you get up out of here. It says, then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins, and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, and I thought about, you know, um, when, when God was talking about a child, he was not talking about a teenager. Generally, teenagers are not humble. Generally, teenagers think they know everything. He was, I'm saying, I mean, y'all, you know, you know, we were the same way. We thought we knew everything too. You know, and so, but he's talking about someone more around the age of like uh, three or four, um, because children, uh, children around that age, they don't argue with you. They ask you a question, they don't interrupt you, they just listen. They don't have their own, they'll, they'll ask you the craziest question in the world, and if you give them an answer, they will believe it. Children around that age, they don't carry themselves in an arrogant way. Okay, now you might have to beat them every once in a while because they're not sharing, you know, that's selfishness, you know, streak. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I, I don't want to teach on that too long. You, 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 so you have to really study the character of a child around three, four, the innocence of the child. And them, they, the, the, the innocence of the child is such at that degree where, where they trust the parent for everything. You know, even if you rebuke the child at that age, the child is not going to go out there, sit up there and leave the house because you rebuked them, you know, or shut down on you. You know, it's amazing that children at that age are very forgiving, even if the parent is abusive. Okay, it's only when they get to the teenage stage that, that abuse begins to affect them that way. But but it's amazing. I mean, you can be a drug dealer, all of those different type of things. And so, so the Jesus said that that's the way that you get in, and he said that's determined. That's going to determine how great you are in that kingdom, because he said the person that humbles themselves completely like a child. That will be the one that is the greatest, not the one who's a preacher, not the one that got a title, not the one that got more degrees than a thermometer, not the one that got a, a lot of money and you're a businessman, not the one that has accomplished certain things and you're a great singer and all of those different type of things. And we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. But, but the kingdom of God does not recognize what we recognize. So you're going to see a huge difference up there. Okay. And, and so with this point on, I wrote down a couple of things. You know, that we are willing to go sit in the classroom to hear about topics we have no interest in. And the only thing that you uh, add to the class is your attendance. Um, and, uh, and even though you're not learning anything, you were diligent and in attendance 95 to 100 percent of the time. Um, but yet we have that mentality with a secular education that won't mean anything forever. Um, but yet we won't be consistent or digital like that when it comes to church. Uh, we're willing to study hours a week, regardless to what it took in order to learn info of no interest to you to get a degree. That most of you, your degree has no benefit to you today. But when you were in school trying to get that degree or get that, you know, that certificate or whatever it was, I mean, you, how many of you went to school, whether it was high school or college, and, and you, you studied for hours. 
You didn't care that you didn't have any sleep. You were taking stimulants. Some of us were taking drugs. Some of us were taking coffee. We were doing everything we could, walking around the block, hardly getting to sleep, looking like Dracula the next day because bags underneath your eyes and everything. Studying, trying to get something that man said you need in order to be recognized. Um, but we won't study the Bible. The Bible is the most important book. It's not even a book. There is no explanation for what we call the Bible. The Bible is the number one most purchased book, period, since it came out, <clears throat> since it's been printed the way it has been printed. Since it is the number one selling book, they don't allow it on the list anymore because they said no other book would ever win. No other book would ever be the bestseller. It is the most debated book. It is the most mysterious book. It is the most historically accurate book. And it is the most supernatural book that ever exists. There's something called the Gamatra. Um, um, it was found by a Russian scientist. And what they found is, is that, you know, we read the English version of the Bible. Um, <clears throat> but the original Bible was written in Hebrew, the Old Testament, and the New Testament is written in Greek. And here, I'm just adding something, I'm almost done. Here, we have the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, and then we have the numerical system, one, two, three, four, five. Well, in the Hebrew language, the the alphabet is the numerical system. So every letter has a numerical value attached to it. Well, in the Bible, according, and apparently in heaven, seven is the number of perfection or completion. <clears throat> and so in Genesis chapter one, verse one, if you, if, you, if you look at it from the Hebrew and you put all of the things together, there are like 50 different variations of seven. So like, if you add up the numerical value of Genesis 1-1, it can be divided by seven. If you add up the numerical value <clears throat> of the first letter of every word, it can be divided by seven. If you add up the numerical value of the last letter of every word, it can be divided by seven. If you add up the numerical value of the vowels, seven. Consonants, seven. If you add up the, y'all get my point. I'm about to get lost. And so a computer couldn't do this. And so that's just Genesis 1-1. So I don't know why I'm on that, but I just felt led to share that, that the Bible is not a, we call it a book because of how we think, but it's actually God on paper. And, and he said, my ways are not yours. I mean, it's a, it's a very mysterious uh, thing. It's a very, very powerful book. And I'll teach on that later. <laughs> but that's why the Bible says that when you study the Bible, it says it makes you wiser than your teachers. It says meditate the word day and night. Not as I say, we're in the backs of your window to show people you go to church every once in a while. It says that thing that's collecting dust on your coffee table to show everybody this house is blessed because I got a Bible here. Nope, wrong answer as the Riddler said. Okay, if you're not reading that thing, you might as well throw that thing in the trash. Okay, it's a book that's meant, we read everything else more than the one thing we should read. And I'll get back over into this very soon, but how much time you spend in the word will determine your eternity. We're willing to do whatever it takes financially, student loans, job, and even a second job. But, you know, we won't do the right thing financially. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm just encouraging you that the reason why you need to do this is because of this simple statement. You do not see things the way that they are. You see them the way you are. And that's very dangerous because the Bible says that we see through a glass dimly. So, you know, that's why, you know, that you have this, you know, movement now where I'm done with the church. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, it's amazing that they're done with something that we'll never be done with. You're done with the church because you see things as you are, not as they are. And because Jesus sees things as they really are, he will never leave the church because he's fully in the light. I can give example of example. So it's very, very dangerous because you can... Uh, and so as a result of that principle, you're always seeing wrong. Even when you begin to see right, you're seeing it in a measure of right, not what is fully right. This is the reason why you can, you know, any of you ever, uh, any of you ever um, met somebody that you couldn't stand? Yeah, that was a dumb question, sorry. Any ever met somebody you couldn't stand? After you got to know them for a while, you end up liking the person that you couldn't stand? Why? Because you saw them as you were, not as they were. And the only way for you to know who they are is you got to spend time with them. 
You got to listen to them. You got to see how they make decisions. Okay. And then as a result of that experience with them, you begin to see them as they are, not see them as you are. Well, that's what's dangerous about God is most people view God based on how they think. And if you don't spend time with him, if you don't know how to learn how to listen to his voice and have experiences and chase after these things. And it's only as you do that that you will begin to see God as he is and not as you are. And as you see him as he is, it'll change the way that you think about yourself. A lot of people think God is a mean God. He's not. He has a mean side and he has a mean streak. Okay, it's called the wrath of God. It says that the wrath of God is so tough, it's stored up for only one moment called Armageddon. Because it said no, no flesh would live if you release it. So God says, so every time God, get, God, every time God gets mad, he sets it to the side. Any of you ever, any ever, you ever did this with your kids or your husbands or your wife or somebody and, and they offended you and you got really, really mad and you said, you know what, I'm going to deal with this later. Okay. God is doing the same thing. He's like, no, I'm going to deal with this. Like, he keeps setting his anger to aside. The problem is he set it aside. <sighs> he set it aside for about 4,000 years. When he no longer sets it aside, you end up with a Noah situation. I'm killing everybody. When he doesn't set it aside, you end up with a Sodom and Gomorrah decision. I'm killing everybody. So since Sodom and Gomorrah, he's been setting it aside. And that's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation, this time when he releases it, it says so much blood comes out of men. It says it comes up to the horse's mouth. Because when God and, and it said and read Revelation, I know you don't like to read it because it's a, I don't plan on being here for that. I have no problem reading it. Sound like a sci fi to me. I'm planning on being here for that foolishness. OK. And, and the scripture says right before God, God is God is not who y'all think he is. It says right before God releases that wrath. It says the angels make a call to every bird in the planet. And they said, come, fowls of the air, and come partake of the greatest feast that you will ever have in your life. That's crazy. God said, yeah, I'm getting ready to kill everybody. So y'all getting ready to have Thanksgiving dinner. Let's say grace. <laughs> hey. so, so this is not something we can rush into. I got to give you bit by bit. And, and you really, y'all, you have to seek God without any limitations. There's no question you can ask him he would be offended at. There is no experience that he would, he would withhold from you. Now, some of the experiences you may have, you have to be ready for it. You can ask God for an experience, and he may not tell you, but he may wait five years because he said, you're not ready for that. Your maturity is too low. And so, and so, so you have to begin to seek those three scriptures, you know, one is that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and to seek heavenly things. Seek first, not last. Most people do it last. Seek first the kingdom of God and what is right. And you'll never have to ask God for anything. So to the degree that we have to ask God for things is because we're not seeking the Lord. We might be going to church. We might even be reading our Bible. Unbelievers read the Bible. Atheists read the Bible. It'd, be, it'd blow your mind to know how many people are business owners that are not Christians that tithe because they said the principle works. So even though they don't believe in Jesus, they do the principle. Blow your mind and know how many businessmen do that. So I'm going to just encourage you to get started with that. <laughs> I found a book by a man. Um, well, I don't want to tell you his name yet. I got to read this stuff first. I didn't know this man existed. He was like in the 1600s. And he said the Lord was taking him up to heaven and showing him things and and the stuff that I read today, I was just like, and certain scriptures came to mind. And like, that is a place that is beyond, way beyond intellect. Just, so, y'all, how many of you know, if the Lord told us to seek it, it's a the place called time, planet Earth. What you do creates things there. What you do is creating your house, what size it is, or if you get one, okay? Um, what type of clothing you wear. I know there's something new for some of y'all. I gotta go, some of y'all have heard this before, I gotta come back. Did I say something crazy? No, okay. So your, what type of house, what type of mansion, 
you know, what type of clothing, what type of food, what type of level you live on, what your employment will be forever. We ain't got no bus drivers and garbage men and stuff like that. I'm just saying, but, but when, you, when you see what's up there, the most precious substance in planet Earth is used to pave their roads. That's how extreme that place is. You offer me some money, you offer me diamonds, you offer me jewelry. How many of you know? It's, okay, but that stuff. Diamonds and gold and jewelry is so cheap to them, they only use it to pave their roads. That's how extreme that place is. Okay, and so it's, 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 and, it, and it's becoming frustrating me to try to convince people what forever is. That's really, really difficult because we have been so programmed to think about the here and now. We have been so programmed to think about retirement. We have been so programmed to think about making it. We have been so programmed to educate ourselves based on getting the raise down here. We're so programmed that way that trying to teach people like this is trying to, it's trying to, it's trying to use a screwdriver to drill through cement. It's very difficult and it's very frustrating because sometimes I can feel it going in, sometimes I can, I can feel the kickback because, because some people don't want to hear this. Some people don't want to hear that I have personal responsibility when it comes to my eternity. Some people don't want to hear it. Some people, this is their mind. Oh, I thought all I had to do was accept Jesus Christ and I got to imagine. Nope, that is nowhere in the Bible. And that's very unfortunate that stuff is not being taught. It overwhelmed me and depressed me when uh, there was another man that gave me this revelation and I read, read, the whole, read all of this stuff in the Bible and I said, all of these scriptures in the Bible that talk about the reward system, almost in every chapter. And I said, I've never heard anybody preach it. So... I used to be the type of individual, come, Lord Jesus, come. Take us out of this mess. I'm ready to go to heaven right now. When I got that revelation, hold up. Hold up. You can, you can, I need you to wait for about 20, 30 years on this because I done lost some stuff for real. So, so, let's go ahead and stand. I just wanted to share a little something with you that I found out. I have to let them play for a second sometimes because the Lord had me create another two songs. As I begin to tap into this, the song that we're singing this weekend, we've sung it before, we only sang it once, sung it once, about how we will live forever. You know, some of you never heard that song, um, but um, it's a song that I wrote technically, but the Holy Spirit gave me the lyrics to the song. You know, Mozart was playing at the end of the service at the other location. <clears throat> and when he played, a vision opened up on the inside of me. And I saw this young African boy in heaven. And he was dancing. He was rejoicing because he had just entered heaven. He was just dancing. He wasn't doing that old crazy Holy Ghost dance that we learned at the Baptist churches. That's not how they dance in heaven. Okay, when they dance, they dance. And when y'all see them African dances and, and they dropping down to the ground, he doing all, I mean, the boy was just dancing. And the people had palm trees like the size of cars. And they would just wave. You know how you see a kid dance, he's like, go Keisha, go Keisha. They were actually doing that, but they were using palm trees. And this boy, and in the vision, the boy turned around and looked at me just like this in my face. And the dream, and the vision ended. And, um, and so when I shared that, my wife said the it kicked on in her too. So I came home, and then, and so, because what happened was, is that there's a, there's a story in the Bible that says they went and asked this prophet, they said, we're in a dire situation, and we don't know what to do. He said, bring me somebody who can play. And it says that when the man played, it says that the anointing came upon the prophet, and he could hear from God. That's how powerful music is. Music is the access to God. That's why Satan has corrupted it and turned it into religious music. And so, uh, and so what he was playing came from heaven. And so I had to then, it's harder, I had to then tap back into heaven to get the lyrics to go with that song. And that's why that song is so powerful. And so, um, and so the, the next one that was created, you haven't heard it yet. Yeah, I actually did one time. And this one that was created was, I had a, as I'm seeking after these things, the Lord gave me a vision. 
And it was a man in heaven sitting on top of a, a, like a rock that was made out of a diamond. And he was playing this beautiful guitar and he was singing this song to a group of kids about if it was not for the Lord, where would I be? And so I, so I heard the lyrics to that song and so I wrote those. So it's a different dimension that the Lord has taken this church into by which people really will say, there is no way to do this in the natural. And so as a result of that, I have to listen sometimes. So when you at the end of the service see me just pause and he's playing, I'm listening because I can always tell when the Lord has given me the instrumentals for something that I got to pull the lyrics out by faith. The lyrics are difficult. I have to sit before the Lord and listen to what he plays. I have to sit before the Lord hours and, and for days just to tap into the intellect of heaven. And then when it's given to me, it's so simple. It's like, why did it take me days? Mindset. Your mindset is all garbled up and can prevent you. Be careful that you don't be moved away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. We always think it's deep. So I go up there being deep, being deep. And it's not until I keep doing it that my mind relaxes, it relaxes. And then I I become simple minded or single minded. And then they give me the simple lyrics and then it explodes. So we're we're in for some wonderful experiences. I thought I would leave you this. How many like celebrating your birthday? We like big birthday parties, stuff like that. In heaven, they still celebrate your birthday. You you haven't seen how they celebrate your birthday up there. They don't celebrate the day you were born. Your birthday is celebrated on the day you were born again. Because when you became born again, the day you were born no longer counts because you have a new birth date. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. See how we interpret the Bible so wrong? So, and having these experiences and these revelations, these teachings is gonna really make you fall in love with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels. You be trying to hug everything. Just don't be out there hugging no trees. I love you too, guys. So, all right, let's lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, O Father God, for your goodness, your mercy. We thank you, O Lord God, for allowing us to lead the way to take those that are lost and bring them back, O Father God, into safety, to take those who are disconnected from the kingdom of God because of other men, we thank you for giving us the honor of connecting them back. Thank you, O Lord God, that as a result of the experiences that you will give your people, that as they share them, it will help us all because it will require all of us to share in order for us to have a proper education. Thank you, O Lord God. We believe we receive these experiences and this revelation. You told us to seek after them so that we could live like heaven on earth we cannot live like heaven on earth unless we understand how heaven runs so i thank you O lord god that many things will begin to change in our life for the first time the experiences O lord god we will not be able to count the joy we will not be able to comprehend thank you O lord god that the peace of god will run like a river and i thank you that as a result of what we will learn we will be willing to divorce everything in the world and give it all up for eternity. So I thank you, O Lord God, for this. Seal this in our heart. As we get ready to leave this place, I thank you, Lord, that your grace goes with us. I declare the blood of Jesus Christ and what has been provided in protection, that it covers every vehicle. No one gets any car accidents, no flat tires, no engine failures. Thank you, O Lord God.